Well, hello, listeners, and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian, and you're listening to episode 298 of Sustainable Minimalists, a twice-weekly show about intentional and eco-minimalist living. On today's show, we are discussing gas stoves, natural gas, and everything in between. There is something so primal about cooking over an open flame. Am I right? We Americans, we are attached to our gas stoves. And as of 2015, which is the most recent year for which data is available, there were over 40 million gas stoves here in the United States. But gas stoves burn natural gas, and natural gas is a fossil fuel, and it is made up primarily of methane. So on today's show, we are discussing so many things. Part one is about how marketing has influenced our collective love of the gas stove. Part two is the indoor air pollution problem associated with the gas stove in our home. And then the bulk of our conversation, part three today, is a deep dive into the extraction of natural gas from the earth. What are the implications of such extraction? What are the environmental issues associated with the burning of natural gas? We're going to get into all of that in part three of today's conversation. So let's waste no time and let's talk about the gas lie, as I like to call it. In my sleepy town, neighbors in specific neighborhoods are binding together to privately install natural gas pipelines so they can, quote unquote, upgrade to gas stoves. If you talk to any builder or any real estate agent, they will very likely tell you that buyers want gas stoves. It is a must-have new home item for so many of us. And when my husband and I bought our first home together over a decade ago, by the way, the apartment boasted a gas stove. This was a major selling point for me at the time, and I'm not sure why. If I had to guess, I'd say that I probably unconsciously associated gas stoves with luxury. It turns out that these assumptions are culturally embedded by savvy marketing pros. Thanks to YouTube, thanks to the beauty and wonder of YouTube, I was able to watch a commercial from 1965 for gas stoves. The commercial was phenomenal in so many regards, and I've linked to it in the show notes. If you have 60 seconds, you have to check it out. But the commercial made the argument that, quote, the world of tomorrow will be cooking on gas. The commercial also said, you know, the best restaurants in the world use gas. And the ad concluded by saying that you too can live a modern existence for less money if you embrace the gas stove. Now, again, watch the commercial. It's amazing, (laughs) for lack of a better word. But this commercial and more have told us that good cooks cook on gas and that if we want to be better at cooking, we also need to embrace the gas stove. Now, if you have an electric stove, I currently have an electric stove, by the way, the energy for cooking may come from fossil fuels, but the combustion happens at the power plant far away. But when you have a gas stove, that combustion is occurring right inside your kitchen. That blue flame under the burner, that is the actual burning, the actual unvented burning, I should say, of a fossil fuel in your home. 
And so that brings us to part two of today's conversation, which is the human health effects of that gas stove. Gas stoves do indeed throw off invisible pollutants into your home, including nitrogen dioxide, formaldehyde, and carbon monoxide. And so just because these pollutants are invisible, just because you can't see them, it doesn't mean they aren't there and it doesn't mean they aren't harmful. When you're cooking, these pollutants can and do quite quickly reach levels that would be illegal outdoors thanks to the Clean Air Act. However, the Clean Air Act does not have jurisdiction indoors, and so the Clean Air Act does not protect your indoor air quality. So of these three pollutants I just mentioned, advocates are mostly focused on the nitrogen dioxide, which the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, labels a toxic gas that even in low concentrations can trigger breathing problems for people with asthma or some other respiratory illness. And for those of us with children, it's important to mention that a 1992 study, the study's results, by the way, have held up over time, the study did find that children who live in homes with a gas stove have a 20% increased risk for developing a respiratory illness. So that's the human health problems. Those gas stoves, not benign. Now we're going to move on to the environmental effects. And let's just get it out of the way. Let's not beat around the bush. We're just going to get right into it. Over a 20-year period, so two decades, 20 years, emissions from the 40 million gas stoves that are here in the United States, they have the same heating effects as 500,000 gas-powered cars. So Let's say that again. 40 million gas stoves 20 years go by. They have the same global warming effects as half a million gas-powered cars. Think about that for a minute. Now, if you want to get into the why, we really have to zoom out. The gas line that's connected out the back of your gas stove is actually connected to a very leaky supply chain. And so in order to fully understand the environmental effects of your gas stove, it's not just one gas stove in one kitchen. We really have to step out, zoom out, and discuss the extraction and transport of natural gas from the pipeline to the home. And that's what we're going to do after a quick sponsor break. If you've been paying attention, you've likely heard something about gut health and why zoning in on your gut health is so darn important. You need EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense. It's a three-in-one capsule that supports your digestive health and promotes gut barrier protection. I started taking EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense because I have a bloating problem, friends. Yes, I do. Inflammation is not my friend. Since taking one capsule a day on an empty stomach with water, I have noticed more energy, improved skin, and here's the big one, reduced bloating. Head to myeq.com and use code SUSTAINABLE for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and so much more. That's myeq.com and use code SUSTAINABLE at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. 
And we're back. We are on to the part of today's conversation where we are getting real deep. We are going real down, I should say, into the environmental effects associated with natural gas extraction and burning. So what on earth is natural gas? You may consider natural gas to be this invisible, benign, ethereal gas that can't be that bad, right? It's not dirty like coal or like oil. It's just natural gas. What is the problem? Well, spoiler alert, there are lots of problems, and we're going to talk about them. Natural gas is a fossil fuel formed from the remains of plants and animals, and in its pure form, natural gas is a colorless, odorless gas that is composed primarily of methane. How do you get it? Natural gas is most commonly extracted by drilling down, drilling vertically. From a single vertical drill, you then can do other things to that drill to maximize the amount of natural gas that is accessed. You can hydraulically fracture, you can horizontally drill, or you could acidize. Now, these three processes have negative environmental consequences. But for the sake of this conversation, I really just wanted to touch on hydraulic fracturing, aka fracking, because that's been in the news an awful lot lately. And so for anybody who's confused about what exactly fracking is, I wanted to give you a very quick 30-second primer. So we're going off topic slightly, but we're coming right back. So hydraulic fracturing is fracking. It is a process in which You split open rock formations with high-pressure streams of water or chemicals or sand. Now, people tend to get upset about fracking for a couple reasons. The first reason is that fracking requires huge amounts of water. When you use a ton of water, you're radically reducing the area's water table. You are negatively impacting aquatic habitats, and you are also producing highly toxic and sometimes radioactive wastewater that contaminates all the rest of the underground water sources. Another reason fracking can be concerning is that fracking can cause micro-earthquakes. So what is a micro-earthquake? It's an earthquake that you probably can't feel as you're standing on the Earth's surface, But some geologists warned that these micro-earthquakes are likely causing structural damage to buildings, underground network damage to pipes and cables, so things that are likely going to cause major problems for us down the line. Okay, so we're stepping away from fracking and we're going back to natural gas, just so we're on the same page, pulling any fossil fuel, including natural gas, from the earth and then burning it is a major contributor to global warming and therefore climate change. Our gas stoves do exactly this. But then, of course, there is also the escaping methane problem. So where does methane fit into this conversation? Methane, as I said earlier, is the main component of natural gas. And if it isn't burned when it's released, it is so much more powerful of a warming agent than carbon dioxide. So after natural gas is extracted from that vertical drill, it is transported through pipelines. In the continental United States, so 48 states, the U.S. natural gas supply chain consists of, get ready, 
210 pipeline systems. Those 210 pipeline systems are made up of 305,000 miles of transmission pipes, 1,400 compressor stations, 400 underground storage facilities, 11,000 locations to deliver the gas, and 5,000 locations to receive the gas. You do not need to know all those numbers, but what you do need to know is that those are big numbers, right? The supply chain has a lot of parts. That's important to know because the entire supply chain leaks methane. Leaks, it just leaks right out. That leakage, that leaking of that unburned methane, it is unintentional but it still happens. Let's reiterate the point that was just mentioned. When methane is not burned but released, it can warm the earth more than 80 times as much as the same amount of carbon dioxide over a 20-year period. Phew. That leakage, by the way, so the huge supply chain, the leaking that happens, that also happens in your own home. Recent research, which I have linked to in the show notes, by the way, has found that your gas stove that's sitting in your kitchen, it leaks methane into the atmosphere even when it's sitting there and it's off. It's leaking when it's off. It's leaking methane when it's off. Okay, so I'm getting all agitated here. (laughs) Let me calm down. And then let me say that I know that some of you listening right now are thinking to yourselves, well, burning natural gas is certainly better. It's certainly, I should say, cleaner than burning coal. Yes, I would agree with you. It is important for me to note that gas power plants are indeed cleaner than coal burning ones. According to Reuters, Burning natural gas produces about half as much carbon dioxide as coal to produce the same amount of energy. Natural gas also produces fewer pollutants that can harm the health of humans. And so while natural gas is an improvement over coal, in my humble opinion, replacing one fossil fuel with another is not the answer. And here's why. Remember that the number one goal of the 2015 Paris Climate Agreement was to reduce emissions to net zero by 2050. This goal is lofty, and it leaves very little room for reliance of any kind on any fossil fuel. Now, the natural gas sector is growing. It is growing rapidly in the United States. And according to a representative from the CSIRO Climate Science Center, the rapidly growing natural gas industry is, quote, quickly becoming one of the biggest, if not the biggest, challenges to address climate change, end quote. Now, if you were to talk to a representative from the gas industry, they would likely make the argument that natural gas is a quote-unquote bridge to help utilities shift from reliance on coal-fired power to cleaner energy. So coal is a thing of the past. Clean energy is a thing of the future. Natural gas is the bridge to help us get there. That's the argument. They argue that Gas-fired power plants can provide continuous electricity, can back up wind and solar operations that aren't quite at full capacity. They argue that natural gas is a complement to renewables. 
But climate scientists don't buy this argument, and they are concerned that these plans to massively expand the natural gas industry, which, by the way, is indeed happening, is really just a fancy marketing way to lock the world into a a fast-warming future that remains reliant on fossil fuels. So we're on to part four of today's show, which, of course, is my handy-dandy action steps. There's an action step for everybody here, so if you don't have a gas stove, you're not off the hook. Stick around. (laughs) Please stick around. Action step number one is, for those of you with gas stoves, if you have a gas stove and it's just not in the cards for you right now to replace it, make sure you limit your exposure and your family's exposure to nitrogen dioxide by installing an exhaust fan above the stove that vents outside. The keyword here is outside. Install an exhaust fan and make sure it's venting outside. Even the American Gas Association, the AGA, even they agree that installing one will improve your indoor air quality. So that's action step number one. Action step number two is for those of you who are ready to replace your gas stove. If you can afford it, switch out your stove. Hire a good contractor, cap off the gas line, and replace. Those of us with induction cooktops, which, by the way, do run on electricity, argue that they are far superior to gas stoves. Induction cooktops use magnetic waves to heat up pots. They are more precise, and they are faster than gas stoves. But they're also a little bit more expensive They tend to be maybe $500 to $1,000 more expensive depending on the model, so keep that in mind. Action step number three is one to keep in mind as we continue to move forward throughout the world, throughout our lives, and that is to electrify everything. The ultimate goal of just simply switching out your gas stove is to electrify everything, run more and more on electricity. And while, yes, electricity is not currently clean, and while electricity coming to your home is likely generated from many different sources right now at this moment in time, yes, clean energy, yes, fossil fuels, it's a combination of it all, know that as renewable technologies replace And I should say a better word there would be displace. So as renewable technology displaces fossil fuels, the electric grid will get cleaner and even cleaner. Now, action step number four is for those of us without gas stoves. You're not off the hook today, my loves. Your action step is to pay attention to the natural gas conversation. Pay attention to current events around fracking. When you hear a pro-natural gas message, Take a minute and dig deeper. Who is sponsoring that message? Is it indeed the American Gas Association who is in a fight for its life, so to speak? They are facing an existential threat to their existence. They are trying to sway the public back toward natural gas in order to stay in business. So let's let's bring this conversation, let's bring our lives back towards intentionality. Instead of globbing on to the messaging, let's, you and I, dig a little bit deeper. And so that brings me to my final word for today's show. The way I see it, each of us, you and me, we each have two things to contribute to the climate fight. The first is free, and it is education. Educate yourself about all things planetary health. Don't look away when the news gets dire. 
read, watch, dig deeper. If you don't understand, dig a little deeper. (laughs) Again, don't look away because knowledge is power. The second thing we each have to give to the climate fight is sacrifice. Collectively, and perhaps not individually, but collectively, we live cushy lives, don't we? But this cushiness comes at the expense of our planet, our home. Our planet is our home. And so if we are going to have even a fighting chance at maintaining a livable planet for our children, we are going to need to start getting comfortable with sacrificing a little bit of that cushiness. A lot of bit of that cushiness, I would say even. We each have things to give up. Perhaps your gas stove is your first sacrifice. Perhaps it's your entry level Let's take words from the American Gas Association. Perhaps giving up your stove is your bridge toward the much-needed deeper sacrifices that we all will be needing to make in the near future. Show notes are at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 298. There is so much reading in there, so if you are ready to dig deeper, Just check out the show notes. On Tuesday's episode, we are discussing long path thinking, how thinking beyond our own lives and into our legacies and into the lives of future generations, our progeny, can help in the climate fight. We're going to get there on Tuesday. I will see you then. Have an amazing weekend and take care. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.